0: I've just put the kids down. I've just made a cheeky bubble tea. <laughs> or my partners had a long day. I just made both of us a bubble tea. Like, it's a moment of joy. We showed our team and they called us out on the too. They're like, what are you doing? This is not you. It's so nice to see uh, young females. It's really nice to see uh, Asians. I've been on the line about starting a business, but I've started it because of you. Welcome to Add to Cart, Australia's leading e-commerce podcast that express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of online retail. Every week, Nathan Bush from eSuite and an e commerce industry expert will share the news, research, and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart.
1: Hello and welcome to Add to Cart. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and director at e commerce talent agency eSuite. Now, many of us have business ideas, but it's relatively rare that we act on them or at least all of them. Today's guest bucks that trend. When COVID hit, within a week of losing most of her marketing clients, Pamela had conceived and launched a new business with a friend, Jenny Lee. Their idea, DIY Bubble Tea, it was timely and a huge success. I mean, if people can't go and get Bubble Tea, then Bubble Tea must come to the people. Bubble Tea Club has now had over 40,000 customers, or bubblers, their words, as they are known, and the company is generating over $2 million of revenue. They've also been voted in the top 20 coolest retailers by Inside Retail, alongside brands like Culture Kings and Country Road. In this chat, Pamela shares what it's like to be a young Asian female entrepreneur, how her and her co-founder nailed their crowdfunding campaign video, and she tells us all about edutainment, which is at the heart of her marketing philosophy. Now, a quick reminder before we get into today's chat that there is only two weeks, two weeks left to enroll in eSuite's e-commerce accelerator. If you want to upskill in e-commerce or if you want to get your team upskilled in just ten weeks, head on over to eSuiteTalent.com.au forward slash accelerator to enroll today. All right, let's get into it. Thanks to our partners Shopify Plus and Signet. Here's our conversation with Pamela Yip co-founder of Bubble Tea Club. Pamela, welcome to Add Descartes.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I've got to kick off with a question that I've had and I've just got to get it out of the way, otherwise it would sit in the back of my mind. What are the little pearls in the bubble tea? What <laughs> are they made out of?
0: <laughs> okay, so it's actually tapioca and uh, they're made from starch, but they're kind of like mochi where they're a bit chewy. It's a very nice texture. Yeah. But what you have to do and the tip to it is adding brown sugar which is what you do at the bubble tea shops and it gives it flavor. Okay. Um, so, that's it. Yeah, that's tapioca. Otherwise, there's like uh, popping pearls. Some people call it bursting boba. It's just biting into a burst of flavor. There's actually a lot of tap- like, toppings available.
1: Yeah, I love them. They're so good. All right. So, I just had to get that out of my head because otherwise it would sit there for a long time. Now, we can have- we'll get into it. Yeah. So, you are the founder of Bubble Tea Club. Yes. I believe it's a COVID baby. That's right. Tell us how it came about.
0: It's actually pretty crazy. It happened in the peak of COVID. So, April 2020, we're actually coming up to our second year anniversary. And during that time, at the core of it, we were, uh, me and my business partners, we run businesses. It was COVID. I lost a lot of my income overnight. Jenny, who's an optometrist, was stood down. So, we were actually starting new businesses almost every week. Like one of the first ones we started was called We're Open Now. I work in hospitality and digital marketing. At that yeah. time, the keyword was pivot. But not a lot of businesses had the resource knowledge or even how to just jump online. So the first thing we actually did together was a website where you put in the postcode and it would just tell you who's still opened. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if you didn't walk, there's no foot traffic. You'd have no idea who actually is opened for takeaway. And at that time, it was really about supporting small businesses. So that's one of the first things that Jenny and I started then Bubble Tea Club started because I was on social media. On Facebook, there's a group called Subtle Asian Traits. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Oh, there's yeah. over like, yeah, there's over 2 million people in that group all around the world. And as a joke, during the peak of COVID in Singapore, they closed all of Takeaway, all of the restaurants. So you couldn't order anything as well. And Bubble Tea was being sold on eBay for three to $5,000 oh. as a joke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there <That> must <laughs> be some serious withdrawals out there.
0: Yeah, but it's crazy. Like, come to think of it, bubble tea, you couldn't really get it anywhere besides from the shop, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think. So, imagine if you were craving a coffee or a tea and you couldn't go to make it yourself. You had to pay someone 7 to $9 to make it and then an additional $5 to get it delivered to your house. Yep. Uh, that is wild. Bubble tea is a massive drink, it's phenomenal. Like, there's a shop everywhere now. It was just crazy to me that you couldn't buy it to make yourself at home that tastes good. So I told that to Jenny and she rocked up to my house the next day with the ingredients and we're like, let's try this out.
1: So did you actually sit down and see if you could make a bubble tea yourself first or you already knew that you could make a great bubble tea?
0: No, I didn't know. So I did search online on how to make it. but A lot of ingredients are very hard to source and where I live, it's whoop whoop. So you definitely can't get a local Asian grocery around you and if it did you couldn't find like taro powder you couldn't find tapioca to make it so that was crazy to me and when jenny brought the ingredients over because she went out to source it from different parts of melbourne and we made it i made it for my family like wow like this actually tastes really good and it was actually really easy to make like why does this not exist (laughs) because it was actually really easy it was literally just taro powder for example and you stir it in hot water
1: as tea should be
0: as he should be, exactly. Yeah, so it was not hard. So we were amazed at how easy it was to actually make it. It just came to how premium the ingredients were.
1: That's awesome. And from that moment to actually launching the website and taking your first order, how long are we talking here?
0: Uh, it was four days. Oh, wow. <laughs> so keep in mind that we were launching businesses like almost every single week. So we actually kind of like, fell into a process. Jenny brought it over to my house, the ingredients. I filmed from my living room with like a blanket as a backdrop. And if you actually look at my first ever videos on Bubble with Sea Club, you'll notice there's no branding, there's no packaging. So at that time when we launched, we put up our website, I just shot all the photos from my living room. We had our first 100 orders and we still not had packaging yet. (laughs) So... (laughs) So that's how we were able to launch in the four days though. It was just really testing. Um, like you guys said, it's like MVP. Cool. just a very minimal viable product, minimal sellable products. Uh, and it just became a minimal lovable product. And that's how we started out and how we were able to scale really fast.
1: And do you remember what were some of those other business ideas that you had in those weeks leading up to Cracking Bubble Tea Club?
0: Yeah. Nat, we were even talking. At that time, You, we didn't have the restriction yet. So we're like, oh, let's take, like, take people on to tours of trying different restaurants. <laughs> uh, Jenny also did one for puzzles because Dan Andrews said that puzzles were essential during lockdown. So, I started, so they started like a puzzle um, challenge.
1: We all went through a puzzle yeah. stage, didn't we? Yes,
0: yes, exactly. We even had like a, a baking kits because at that time everyone was making their own sourdough, making their own food. So that's just, that's just random things we were trying.
1: Fantastic. And so what was the moment where you went Bubble Tea Club is the idea. That's the one we've got to chase.
0: I think if anything, it was just once Bubble Tea Club took off, we were just on a roller coaster and we never stopped since then. So it was never a moment of like, okay, we're going to put everything in. We started off that way already. And because there was momentum and there was traction, we just kept going.
1: Life is like a box of chocolates. Try not to get squished. This was vitally important for boutique chocolatier, Little Cocoa who were using polystyrene boxes with frozen gel packs to make sure their amazing products arrived in tip-top shape. But when Signet introduced them to their own foil-insulated mailer, they bounced on over, reducing their packaging costs by 50% and maintaining 100% percent non squashed chocolate customer satisfaction. That's very smooth. Visit signet.net.au forward slash blog to find out more. Did you find out anything in those early days about your audience or your product that really surprised you from that MVP? Yeah,
0: I think we actually built our business off of our community. And what I mean by that is because our content was going viral, we had like hundreds of comments coming in. So we had people telling us what they wanted. They're like, oh, it's great that you guys have plastic straws, but have you thought about paper straws? So Mm. based off of that, we actually went off uh, and actually replaced every single order with paper straws. And they were telling us at first, we were, like, we literally were so minimal with how we launched our product that we were printing labels from Officeworks <laughs> at that time. So we became very familiar with the local Officeworks team. But because our products are like very sticky, because you're making a drink out of it, they were telling us, Hey, uh, it's really like, it's really sticky. Can you? So we changed everything to waterproof stickers. Mm. We learned a lot from our customers, but the most surprising part is definitely realizing that most of our demographic was actually Western. Yeah, right. We actually started this business thinking it would appeal to mainly uh, Asians. But the interesting thing is that Asians are living in an area where there's local bubble tea to them. Mm. So they can just go down the street and grab it. Whereas for people that are Western or in more rural areas, they couldn't do that during lockdown. So true. Yeah. And the other very interesting thing as well was that we actually have a lot of people in our community who are Aussies and Westerns, and they're like, to us. oh, I've always seen this in shopping centers. But I've been too scared to try it. They're like, what's what's the black balls? (laughs) 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 Don't be scared. Don't be scared. But yeah, but for the first time, there was social proof. Like we were showing, like uh, they had people on Instagram, their friends making it. There's like customer reviews that are like reassuring them. We had customer service, like answering all their questions in the safety of their own home. So I think that was definitely the most surprising part for us.
1: That's awesome. And were there any flavors that were immediately more popular or flavors that surprised you?
0: Ooh, uh, pineapple.
1: Ah, <laughs> as in that Pin- surprised you?
0: That was surprised me because uh, also when we first launched it, we, the way we, we approached it was just like we wanted to offer the top-selling bubble tea flavors that are currently available. And pineapple doesn't actually sit up there. Mm. Like if you go to Gong Cha or any of the large like cha times and stuff, And it surprised us, surprised us because it was not a very common flavor. But looking back at it now, it shouldn't have been a surprise because, like I said, most of our customers were Aussies, and pineapple is a tropical flavor, made sense. It's a very familiar flavor. Yeah, because we're
1: we're a bit weird. Australians (laughs) are a bit weird in that um, we like pineapple on pizza as well.
0: Oh, I love pineapple on pizza. I think if anything, I think we thought we were weird (laughs) as Asians. So, (laughs) and if anything, we like we were like, oh yeah, yuzu matcha. Like, they're really popular flavors. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, oh, pineapple is a normal flavor. It was just us being weird. <laughs> That's great.
1: That's great. Um, and so, take us to where you are at today. Um, I read that you've got over 40,000 customers and generating over $2 million in revenue. Yeah. Um, what are some of the milestones you're, you're most proud of so far?
0: Yeah. I think the crazy part is like when we mentioned before that we're in a roller coaster, that you're so busy, like, reacting to the moment and like looking ahead that we've hardly like turned back on the roller coaster. And we're like, Oh yeah, we just like totally went up something really high and like dropped really low. Uh, it's until like moments like this where people like ask us, like, what are you most proud of? And, uh, I think for us as a business community is really big and we honestly are very passionate about seeing how other people have benefited from us starting bubble tea. So we've had moments in the community and like our Facebook group where someone like lost their job and they posted in a group like, uh, like, Hey, like, I've like, I really love supporting you guys, but I'm um, currently on a halt. I'm not buying any bubble tea because I've lost my job. And in that comment section, our community flooded with comments saying, Hey, what's your address? I'd love to send you some.
2: Oh,
0: It was like insane to us. And they'd be like, Hey, I've tried this flavor. It wasn't really my thing, but if you're keen, I'd love to send you our flavor. So that was really amazing to us.
1: And is that a um, private Facebook group that you've got going on?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we invite, like, it's just part of the email flow. Once they purchase yeah. from us, we welcome them to like the community and we call them bubblers.
1: Nice.
0: Uh, and they actually gave themselves that name, which is crazy to me. It's <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> crazy to me. So I think moments like that, I, we've also had moments through our, like, like obviously virtual crowdfunding when we did equity crowdfunding and we broke, we broke the record for the most amount of interest expressed into, um, at that time. And we also had a lot of, people that are really young and like Asians reach out to us and say like, Hey, we were like on Harold's side, we were on a current affair and they're just reaching out and they're saying like, Hey, thank you so much for representing us. Mm. It's so nice to see uh, young females. It's really nice to see uh, Asians. I've um, been on the line about starting a business, but I've started it because of you.
1: Oh.
0: I think those are really massive moments for us and it makes us like super rewarding.
1: That is, that's amazing. Yeah. And I'd love to come back to that before we move on the breaking the record on your crowdfunding. Yeah. What do you put that down to?
0: I have no idea. Not to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> just a fluke. You just fluke. So like,
0: we had like we decided to do the virtual crowdfunding because we were tossing up between our VC route and crowdfunding. So the moment that we decided crowdfunding had a lot to do with the community, but I actually think that's what really drove it. I think it was us challenging a lot of things, being young Asian females, Like we're really young. We're all just in our twenties. We're females. Like I think we were challenging a lot of perspective that you've usually seen,
2: Mm.
0: uh, in a business or in a crowdfunding scene. So people were really supportive of us, which we're just really lucky and like grateful for. They, they loved our business model. They loved our perception and they loved that we were different. And I think they supported us on those three different areas.
1: Yeah, your crowdfunding video is amazing. i watched it a couple of times now, <laughs> even though it's closed. I, I go back to it because I just think it's such a great way to show, obviously, a really successful product and a, and a business on a great trajectory, but also just you guys. You really do a great job in showing who you are and what people can buy into.
0: Yeah, which is like insane at that time because when I was doing the scripting for that pitch video, my team and I, did this, so I'm really lucky for my team we actually had a, there's a scene in the backdrop where there's a stack of like our bubble tea like shipping boxes and our packaging and there's also a scene where I have like a really big $7 note yeah those are literally ideas I just said to my team and be like just imagine if there's a wall of boxes just imagine there's a dollar note this size and I think it was incredible because my team would just I would rock up and they would have done it so I think that really helps but back to the part about showing our personalities that was actually really interesting for us because we actually ended up shooting that across two days until like 12 a.m., even like past midnight. And one of the scenes and in initially actually script a lot of the, like I script a lot of humor into it because that's just how Judy and I actually talk in real life. And in that moment, we actually hesitated. When we actually went to film, we were just standing there like in our, we actually had a trench coat on and like, it just looked professional. Yeah. And we recorded that first half. And then we looked back at it and I'm like, what are we doing? We look so like rigid. It's not us.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And we showed like, we showed our team and they called us out on it too. They're like, what are you doing? This is not you. (laughs) So like, okay. I was like, yeah, you're right. Let's go back to our original script. Let's go to Jenny's apartments and just be ourselves. And I think that was really important to us. I'm really glad that we made that decision.
1: That's such a great lesson because I've done it as well here at eSuite with the training program that we were doing and I got professional like videographers in and I had
0: yes suit yeah.
1: on and I was doing <laughs> like a face to camera and I was so serious, like reading like a news presenter and then I, watched <laughs> yeah, it back yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, you're an idiot. You're not like that. Yeah. And then I recorded <laughs> one like in my home office where I was like just, you know, had like rough talking points but I just record heaps of stuff and just whatever came to the top of my head on those points. And you, once you edit it all together you get such a better view on who you are and what you're trying to do, right?
0: Yeah, because you just get the message across emotionally a lot better because it's who you are. Yeah. And I've always just found that really interesting, like the idea that you have to have a professional side to you and the media is also portrayed what successful businesses look like and you have to be serious to be taken seriously. So again, it's just back to like challenging a lot of that stuff as well.
1: Do you think because you are willing to show your true personalities come through that that was the secret to some of the PR that you got in those early days you mentioned that a current affair and, and some other really high profile do you think by doing that and we had the guys from the lad collective on a couple of weeks ago as well and very similar like very authentic very true to yeah. themselves don't yeah. change for anyone great PR is that a similar story for you
0: yeah I think if anything uh like I know that when we were talking to a PR like to the people that are interviewing us they thought they were very different which is really they're just like it's very refreshing um like we were cracking jokes with our like harold's son photographer and they're like oh man like i've done so many photo shoots before this is like this is one of the highlights for us i was like ah that's so reassuring that being (laughs) ourselves is (laughs) so thing is like we've also had like a lot of reassurance from people just being ourselves we just had so much more fun we just really wanted to enjoy the process not for ourselves but for everyone else that's around us too so if anything, we've never like purposely done it. We've just tried to be ourselves and just have fun in the process.
1: How did you guys meet?
0: Oh, we actually met ages ago. I met her through her uh, um partner, now husband. I actually met him because I started, um, I started Instagram for my dog. <laughs> and, I <also> have, <laughs> and I also have an Instagram called Munching Melbourne, which is uh, just like Melbourne foodies. Mm. Uh, and Justin is a food entrepreneur like crazy. He had poke and he invited us to his store. He also opened scroll as well, scroll ice cream in
1: chatson. Look at you! You got all bases covered, all good food bases.
0: <laughs> we love food. We love food. We love community. I could eat all day. But yeah, I actually met him through there. He invited us to one of his stores. Jenny was actually just there at that time. So I never really like directly spoke to her, but it was definitely through uh, COVID that we got a lot closer. Like I look, I was like when she walked down the aisle, I was controlling the music. It was very stressful. <laughs> Yeah, that's how we met. I met through her partner and we got super close because of COVID and because of um and because of Bubble Tea Club.
1: That's awesome. So I was just having a bit of a snoop around in the background and it looks like you had a massive spike in website visits and Instagram followers in August last year. That seemed to be a yeah. really critical point for you. What happened there?
0: Yeah, I was just surprised when you when you found that out. I was like, of course, <laughs> you know, on <want> this detail. <laughs> Which is interesting. Yeah, it was actually our biggest month in all of our business and that was just when a lot of the PR started coming out and a lot of our competition started coming out. Ah. Yeah. So if anything, and like something I've learned from my previous marketing role is that sometimes competitors entering is not a bad thing because they're helping you drive awareness. Yep. So we had a lot of people driving awareness around DIY bubble tea kits, And once they've tried it, naturally you'd search online and you'd naturally start conversations. You'd be like, Hey, I've just tried this kit from Hoolies, And then someone else Would then say, "Yep, I've tried bubble tea club before. Have you tried it?" Mm. And so the big focus for us was always around flavor. I think a lot of concerns, like even when we were doing virtual and like VC crowdfunding, they're like, "How do you know you're not just a lockdown product?" Mm. Like we actually had our biggest month coming out of lockdown. But for us, there was always a gap to fill in terms of authenticity of flavor. Yes. So we always told ourselves that let's reverse it. Like say, if we opened a physical store next to the competition, who would our customers choose? So taking away the DIY kit element. And we're like, we need to compete on experience and flavor. So the brand experience has always been very important to us. Flavor, we've never compromised on. So during the time of August, having PR around us and having competitors entered actually drove a lot of awareness to Bubble Tea Club. And people would end up, yeah, we were actually really surprised about that because we definitely were like monitoring, just making sure like how the market shares, like how we're positioned. At that time, like some of the competitors' videos were going viral on TikTok. And our community would post on the comment section and be like, nah, Bubble Tea Club is the way to go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> send <laughs> well, in the gang.
0: Send in the gang. But then we're, like, we're super lucky. We have even had competitors like go into our Facebook community and like direct message hundreds of our customers being like, we'll offer you 50% off. And our Facebook community, her name's a Diddy. Uh, she's a she's a bubbler, she's a customer. She messaged me, direct messaged me right away and goes, like, are you available to jump on the phone? I need to talk to you right now. I was like, oh, what did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but she's never called me before because I've never met her before. She was a customer. She's been with us since like day dot. And we made her like a moderator. She called me and showed me screenshots of our competitors Messaging our customers, offering fifty percent off to try their products, and it was insane to me that our community then posted into our Facebook community and be like, "That was that's just not moral, it's not ethical. Would never betray Bubble Tea Club." So I think if anything, back to your question of like what happened to August was we had a lot of competitors enter into the space, but thanks to our community and like thanks to our brand positioning, we actually drove a lot of awareness back to Bubble Tea Club and encouraged people to try us as well. So. That was really interesting.
1: That's awesome. And you've obviously got such a strong community, strong advocates for Bubble Tea Club, but you're also a product that's meant to be consumed in the home. Yeah. Do you have any plans or strategies around how to connect people in the real or physical world?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We actually were talking about that because part of our purpose, there's two angles to our purpose, which we're, which we're still trying to refine. Like One of them is closing the gap of like Asian representation in the Western culture while having fun.
2: yeah. And
0: the other thing we notice as well is that when people make a bubble tea and when they've been posting it online and telling us about it, it's a moment where it makes them happy because they're treating themselves. Like we'd have moms say, I've just put the kids down. I've just made a cheeky bubble tea. <laughs> <laughs> or my partner's had a long day. I just made both of us a bubble tea. Like it's a moment of joy.
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. And we're like, okay, we really want to focus on this. And so if we were to go into a retail space we would want to partner with people that share that same purpose so we actually are in the chat to speaking to a retailer to discuss this but i can't disclose too much
1: <laughs> secret yeah no exclusives here yeah <laughs> so tell us um tell us we've touched on it a few times and i think i'd love to get your experiences being a young asian woman as an entrepreneur in australia yeah what are some of the experiences that you've come up Against the biases, what are we trying to overcome here?
0: I actually remember when I first started in marketing. I won't say where, but I've always heard on TV that there was like racism, and I've never experienced it. Like I grew up in Australia, I lived in America in school. I've never experienced it; it was fine. There was a moment where I was an intern at a marketing agency, and it was a cultural shock for me in the sense that I grew up in an Asian household, so. Marketing has, has a lot to do with uh, culture in mm-hmm. the sense of like relevance, depending on what your product is as well. You really just got to understand cultural moments and significance that happens throughout the year so that you can market to them, etc. So that's a major cultural shock to me. I think if anything, I've had to really understand how I can market Bubble Tea Club, for example, which is very Asian, into a Western society. But also in digital marketing, I worked naturally a lot of Asian businesses too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of challenges they always face is that like they're massive in Asia. There's like, there's one like Sobing. So they're like Australia's first chain, but in Korea, they're the number one uh, Sobing or like shaved ice dessert. The challenge for them coming into Western cultures usually is that they have a really hard time integrating with the Australian culture.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: you find that they have massive lines. They're super popular. But one of their challenges like saying to us, like, how can I like introduce this to like the Australian customer base? Because at the end of the day, it's just shaved ice. (laughs)
2: There's (laughs)
0: nothing really that like unique or different, but there's always been a challenge. And if you do introduce Asian flavors from like Asian countries into a Western society, usually it's a compromise in the sense of you try to make it very fusion. And so the last 10 years for me has always just figuring out what's the best way to navigate that. Mm. How can you best market the Asian aspects, 100% acknowledging how like what, what does it appeal to like Australians and Aussies? Like what, how can you make it fun for them to try this new thing without yeah. feeling like it's too freaky?
1: <laughs> what about you personally? So if you take product out of it and then whether that be as your time as a marketing intern or yourself mm. now as an entrepreneur dealing with suppliers, partners, all that sort of stuff, do you feel that you get treated differently or people come with assumptions that you have to overcome yeah. that others might not?
0: Yeah. I think the first one was overcoming myself yep. because in Asian culture, for example, we sit at a table and anything that anyone that's older, like our aunties and uncles, we never speak up to, or like we never challenge what they say. And especially when you're like an Asian female, like there's still a lot of tradition around like you, uh, you should be quiet. You should be a lot more feminine. You shouldn't be assertive. It comes across as like very dominant. So in some ways I actually had to overcome that myself first okay. because then I realized that. Because in Western culture, you guys don't have that perception against us in the sense that I'm older than you, so you shouldn't challenge what I'm saying. It actually doesn't like uh, exist yep. in your mindset. It's very much my own mindset. And this is what I challenge on my team as well, is that if you're confident about what you're saying, it's just being a lot more vocal about it. So that was one thing I had to overcome. But yes, 100% because I also don't look like my age. People <laughs> don't take me very seriously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel that bubble p- how you drink. <laughs>
0: yeah it has a youth youth elixir um (laughs) no so i've had people like in meetings they're like oh have you finished uni yet uh are you still in high school and that just comes with like because i look a lot younger than my age yeah so i've had to really learn to build confidence i've had to also i've also had scenarios like this is very interesting i've also had scenarios where older men like my business partner for my digital marketing agency uh is is a male Hmm. and in those meetings. They would just talk to my business partner, even though I was the one that was running the client and running the ideas. So I actually had to learn to be a lot more assertive, Mm -hmm. a lot more confident in what I'm saying. But it was very hard for me because I didn't like the idea of coming across as, what's the word? It's not assertive, but aggressive. I had to learn the difference between the two, that I was being assertive, not aggressive, and that my contribution to this conversation is going to benefit everyone. Yep. So, yeah, it's a whole ball game. I'm still learning it. I challenge a lot of my team to do that as well because I've been in their shoes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In your bio, you've said that your purpose <laughs> is to close the gap between Asian yes. representation in Western societies through edutainment. What yes. do you mean by that?
0: Yeah, okay. So, I usually find that – I think I'll use like um, being vegetarian or vegan as an example. Mm-hmm. Like usually when you – hear that someone's vegan or like vegetarian and they talk about it very proud, it can come off across like too pushy. Yeah,
1: okay.
0: For me, it's like, how do you find the balance then of me sharing about my culture without putting any other culture down? Because that's has nothing to do with that. But mm-hmm. like how can I share about my culture, but make it fun? Which is like you said in our pitch video, we're still trying to convey information and try to get a point across. But we were just thinking, how can we do it in a very lighthearted way That's entertaining for everyone else. So it just gets uh, absorbed a lot more easier.
1: Anyone who has a pet will attest to this. They do not wait patiently. Pet culture was the new kid on the pet scene. The dogs were feverishly barking and the cats planning their owner's demise if they did not get live quickly. Luckily, Shopify Plus, aka eVentura, came to the rescue. Pet Culture were able to do a soft launch within four months and go live to the public within six, including CRM, subscriptions, personalization, and memberships. No puppy steps here. We're straight into big dog territory. To read more of Pet Culture's story and see other case studies, visit the customer section on shopify.com.au forward slash plus. Stop looking at me weird cat. To me, that comes across naturally because I feel from what I know of you guys, that's your natural personalities. Do you feel that's a challenge, say for for Asian represented businesses in Australia, that you almost have to westernify your communication to have those businesses fit in?
0: Yes. I remember like this time last year, Lunar New Year was sitting in, this year is sitting in like February 1st, which is very close to Valentine's Day. And so when it came to like marketing, it was choosing between which one do we run a campaign across. And we were like to ourselves, like, because most of our audience is like Western is like, is it too much to be running a full on like lunar near your campaign? As in like, we put red pockets into every single order. we created a messaging messenger chatbot digitally, where if you clicked into the messenger, it would open up a random red pocket for you. Mm-hmm. So we just made it fun. So for us, it was like, yep, yeah, we want to do this you want to hero it because it is fun like for me mm-hmm. like i see culture as something not like more so towards like the religion but more so it's just uh something to fun to celebrate like there's line dancing uh <laughs> there's a lot of like that element to it and red pocket is the part where you receive money every year so I'm like can't complain but <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> there's a part of culture to celebrate it's a pretty good part yes
0: yeah, receiving money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but it's but it's crazy because we made the decision to do that and we made it fun our, like our customers loved it Mm. They were taking pictures of it and they're sharing like on our Facebook group, what they want for the red red pocket. And like during the chatbot, we would do things like um, FYI, it's the year of the cow. It's the year of the tiger. So like very subtle ways we were just sharing part of our culture and why it was really like significant to us, but also like lends credibility to our brand Mm. because we're a bubble tea uh, business as well. So I think back to what you were saying, it really just depends on your business. You just really have to find cultural relevance. I think if you're, this is not like ours, where it's like bubble tea, it, like the heritage comes from Taiwan yep. and it had nothing to do with Asia, then it's a fine balance of like, are you doing it just to feel like you need to be a part of something? Mm. Or is it actually lends credibility to your brand as well? But it was interesting because this year, I saw our competitors all use the Lunar New Year campaign uh, to okay. run, which I was like, it is great because <laughs> because while they were choosing to like replicate us, I think it's like, great. More people are actually learning about our culture <laughs> yep. and they're all a lot more confident about celebrating it. So I was like, okay, kind of sucks that we have competitors replicating, but great that mm. they're celebrating it and they're getting the word out.
1: And I think, you know, if you use mechanisms like bubble tea to bring people into the culture, that's a great way to do it as well because it's something everyone can get around. Like you said in our pre-chat, it's like, Bubble tea is tea. Everyone loves tea. (laughs) (laughs) We could all appreciate
0: it. Yeah. And I think the crazy thing is like there doesn't need to be – I think usually when you have Asian food or like Asian flavors in Western country, it's fusion or compromise Mm. or you either have like like leaning either way. So, for us, it's like it's nothing to do with compromising Australian culture because we partnered with Melbourne Bush Food and we developed the lemon myrtle bubble tea, Mm. which we loved. So, it's about heroing both. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice. I love that approach. You were recently voted in the top 20 coolest retailers by Inside Retail. Yeah. How'd that feel given you're a relatively young brand still?
0: Yeah, that was crazy for us. I think we're like, I'm very passionate about like a brand universe. And what I mean by that is like, I started in activation in agency where you pretty much do like interactions and activations in person. Mm -hmm. So for me in digital marketing was always about like, how can I bring this to life online? That's where we use like the chatbot to do like spin the wheel campaigns and the like, instead of physically giving red pockets in a shopping center, we just gave it out digitally. And we're also like very somatic about where we place our logos. And so I think it just came down to when we were announced top 20 coolest retailers. Like, okay, that was worth it. because <laughs> <we, laughs> I was a little crazy, but that was worth it because there was also times like Black Friday and like cyber Monday where everyone around us was doing like massive sales and discounts. And we're like, Oh, this is really not who we are as a brand. Like how can we participate in this, but not compromise on dropping our prices. Mm. And also the idea that we just did this with like on my, like my team is literally just 20 year olds. So we literally built this brand from very like passionate uh, branding.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: she, Like her name's Amy. She's, she's so into the details of brands. She helped bring it to life there's like Rachel where she executes and she looks after every single piece of branding that goes out to someone. So I think when we were announced that we were just like, okay, this is all, that was very worth it. It It's just really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. To be alongside like culture kings, like country road, just imagining the type of teams and people they have in their marketing department running. Yeah. Super rewarding for us.
1: Oh, and I, and I think it's so well-deserved because you look at what you guys um, stand for and the role models you guys and the strong community and customer feedback you've got. It, it's all creating this beautiful ecosystem of a brand that actually means so much to so many.
0: Yeah, that's really rewarding. It's awesome.
1: Um, on the branding side of it, did you have this vision of what the brand would be from the start or you've had to evolve and change it over time?
0: No. So that's actually a really interesting topic. Because I think traditionally, you think that you have to... People usually start a brand pack first, but we didn't. Like I mentioned before, when we launched the business, we had no name for the business (laughs) when I was filming and we had no packaging. As I was like pulling it together, Bubble Tea Club came from, we wanted to build a community. So Tim, one of our other co-founders, actually came up with the name. And so for me, it was for Bubble Tea, I more so thought about it in terms of how can I evolve the brand And what people know of bubble tea in our logo and in our branding, because bubble tea has actually been around for like 40, 40 years. Like I knew about it from, from my parents Mm. and the bubble tea brands, there, like very traditionally show logos of like the actual bubble tea cup. Like their brand is called happy cup. So for me, it was, how could I develop a brand that suits today's time and suits social media in terms of like then pulling in the colors. We did a lot of AB testing on our social media and in our Facebook ads. So we ran creatives that had a yellow background versus Taro. Mm. And we were starting to build our brand deck off of what converts online. So it's a very different approach I find to traditional. Like our brand is still evolving now.
1: Yeah, that is. That's amazing to build a brand kit or style guide based on A-B test of what's already in market.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I love your agency background. And obviously, you've got great experience there. And it's not uncommon to find agency folk who are throwing around a bunch of ideas, but because they've never been in retail or even actually done their own thing as an entrepreneur before, are going, I just don't know how to like, they can launch it, they can get a website up, they can get a basic product, Mm. they don't know how to go to the next level. What advice would you have for people coming from an agency background on some of the skills that they may have to close to be able to turn an idea into a successful business?
0: Yeah, I mean, if anything, agency is really powerful because you work with a lot of, not necessarily third parties, even within the agency itself, you might have like developers. So like when you're talking about the website, there's someone within the agency that you usually brief that helps you bring the website to life. So it's even just connecting with that person and asking them like, hey, any recommendations for starting your own website Mm. is one way to go about it. I would say the only thing that's probably missing in agency is the operations supply chain um, aspect of it. In that sense, I would I would say that working in client side really helps because when you're developing marketing campaigns, you have to run a buy operations. Yeah. And I learned a lot of that through my 7-Eleven graduate program. Like What I really enjoyed about that was it made you go through four rotations. That was not just marketing. So they took me through, I had to run stores
1: <laughs> for huh.
0: six months huh. and learn how to start a franchise. I got franchise training. And That's it was cool. super interesting to see how marketing was executed in stores. Like There are so many elements I did not think of Mm
2: -hmm.
0: when you're just developing the campaign from a head office. I would suggest for agency side, there's a lot of... like When it comes to marketing, creatives, anything digital, you probably have a lot of resources internally in your agency. So just connecting with them is really helpful. But then actually speaking to people that run business in terms of the operation side, supply chain finance is probably what you want to see in agency. And if you're trying to start a business, I think they're so important.
1: Yeah, I I'm 100% agree. Yeah.
0: yeah. You would start it... a business for like what you're strong at. So like in my case, I started a business in marketing. But what I have realized over time is that marketing makes up probably 20% of my time. Mm. The rest of the 80% was figuring out the finance. to so like HR, <laughs> managing a team. <laughs> I
1: didn't, didn't sign up for this.
0: I didn't sign up for this. I I quit my 9 to 5. <laughs> and then now I'm working 24-7. You see that meme? I'm like...
1: <laughs> but it's so true. It's like, I think as a marketer, sometimes we look at it as a really straight funnel, but really what we're doing is, has such a, a, a 360 effect on, mm. you know, what we're doing in marketing has an impact on profit, has an impact on supply chain, has an impact on customer service. we got to make yeah. sure all that's working together. Yeah. All right. We have to let you go. What's <laughs> Final question: What's your favorite flavor? We talked about pineapple as a as a weird a weird flavor that's come out of the woodwork. What's your favorite? What's your go to?
0: My favorite always changes depending on what we're trying because we do a lot of R and D. Like our food tech was coming up with like rose flavored milk tea. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! Or oh, even like a milk tea with a green tea base because traditionally yeah. it's just made with a black black tea base. Like honestly, it just keeps changing. The most recent one I've tried was brown sugar in a green milk tea base. I hope that process (laughs) is.
1: Does it does? This is a weird combination. Yeah,
0: there's like thousands of combinations, so it just changes all the time for me.
1: Lovely. All right, we mentioned the um, potential physical retail partnership coming up. Is there anything else coming up for Bubble Tea Club that you're really excited about?
0: Ooh, actually, learning to focus this year.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that is that code for you've hit exhaustion?
0: Yeah, no, it was just, we were doing so many things and we've been very fortunate by having like a raise and uh, we also got like a boosting female founder grant. But for us, it's learning to focus and really go back to the core of our business and what our purpose is and how can we now amplify what we know best. We're also restructuring who we bring onto the team as well. So that's that's a big part, like big part of our business right now is actually just planning for the next three years. Yeah. So the retail was in the woodworks. We're doing a lot of testing. There are new products that are coming out. There are collaborations in the line as well. Also chatting to ambassadors to represent us uh, too. But yeah, going into the States is a big one, Canada and UK. So all yeah. of that is in the works.
1: Just little countries, little moves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is why we need to focus. So I was like, let <laughs> focus on actually like propelling those.
1: <laughs> so good. Pamela, if people have heard this and they want to know more about Bubble Tea Club or get in touch with yourself, what's the best way to do that?
0: if you want to get in touch with me, just like hit me up on LinkedIn and then put in like the note section that you're from add to cart. send <laughs> you here.
1: <have special laughs> so I can access. find you.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I was like, so I can see you guys like right away. I love chatting about um, e I love chatting about branding and I love helping as well. So uh, reach out uh, in that case. If it's for a bubble tea, we actually made a promo code for, for the Add to Cart as well. So it's just add DBT to Cart as the promo code.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you.
0: Giving the free, even reach out there. Like, is up on social media anywhere. I'm across all of them. I have notifications on for all of our touch points. So reach out anywhere you like. We're on all of the social medias.
1: That's fantastic. We'll put that promo code into the show notes as well so people can access it. Pamela, thank you so much for joining us on Add to Cart. We love the story so far and um, no doubt. Bigger things to come.
0: Thank you so much for your
1: time. How cool was that? I especially loved hearing from Pamela her perspective as a young Asian female entrepreneur, obviously, a world that I haven't been from. So it's always great to get another person's perspective, especially how they've come into e commerce in Australia. Okay, three things that I got out of that conversation. Number one, be yourself. It's a theme that's come through from a few of our guests recently. Uh, Authenticity is way more powerful than ticking a corporate checklist. Have fun. It's a myth, I think, that you need to be taken seriously in everything that you do these days. Even the most serious activities, such as capital raising, they can be more successful if you ditch the corporate BS and be yourself. Plus, you'll attract people that like you, that you're actually going to like. Number two, piggybacking on competitors. I love when Pamela said... Sometimes competitors entering the market is not a bad thing because they're helping you drive awareness. So while it is natural to see competitors as a threat, they can often help you create a market if used right. So instead of discrediting them, sometimes you can actually build on their message. Number three, the anti-target target audience. Pamela and her team knew that bubble tea was huge for the Asian community, but what they didn't expect is that they would make bubble tea accessible for an Anglo audience. The trick is now to balance the two cultures, authentic Asian heritage packaged up for a new audience. Could you adapt any part of your product to appeal to a whole new community as well? To get the highlights of today's episode, head on over to addtocart.com.au and sign up for our free newsletter. Each Tuesday we will send Monday's episode summary, links, and discount codes for you to go next level on. And if you're looking to explore your next e-commerce opportunity, come and visit us at eSuite. We're a dedicated e-commerce talent agency connecting the best e-commerce talent with the fastest growing brands in Australia. Head on over to esuitetalent.com.au where you can download the free e-commerce salary guide and sign up to our weekly e-commerce job emails. Thanks for listening. And until next time, keep those customers adding to cart. All right, all right. I know you're probably sick of me banging on about it, but a really quick message to say that the 10-week e-commerce accelerator program kicks off on the 14th of March, so soon. Registrations are still open. And don't forget the discount code for Add to Cart listeners. Use the coupon code Add to Cart, all one word, to get $200 off your registration. Head on over to learn.esweettalent.com.au. That's learn.esweettalent.com.au to secure your place today. All right, I'm off to practice my teacher voice. I'll see you in there.